Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Welcome back, everybody, to another Friday Breakdown edition of the Southern Outdoors Podcast. Got something a little different for you this week. Uh, we actually recently did our uh, Weaver Meat Processing Southern Outdoorsman Meetup, and uh, we actually recorded some live podcasts there. Uh, if you came to that event, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming out to that. We, we had a really good turnout, probably over 100 people. Oh, for say. sure. Oh, dude, absolutely. Over 100 yeah. folks came out, ate some uh, good food, got yeah. to talk with a bunch of deer killers. We had... Man, all kinds of dudes showed up. Michael Perry was there, obviously. Scott Terry, he uh, he killed the, that giant deer. 181 inch. 181 inch public land Alabama deer. He Has shot the this most year. impressive brow tines of any deer I've ever seen. I've ever seen. Yeah. These brow tines, a foot long each. Yeah. I think one of them might have been 13. And they're, they're not spindly. They are. No, <laughs> they are long. It's uh, just straight. I mean, like, God ridiculous. bless that deer. God bless any deer that try to fight that buck. Dude. That's the deer that just mess. It's almost as big. Michael Perry brought his state record uh, muzzleloader buck, and Scott Terry's buck holding them side by side, which was really cool. Just being able to hold two Alabama public land deer of that size next to each other was cool. But seeing them next to each other, I'm like, man, he almost had you there, Michael. Well, well <laughs> no, not with the same weapon, but no, 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 but but not, but I mean, even Terry said it, and Michael said it, that deer was bigger last year. That deer, they they said it's eight, eight plus years old. Yeah, people had trail cam photos of him back to 2017. And, and he uh, was a big in 2017. Yeah, they, they thought he was a three-year-old back then. Um, and and uh, but they said that deer, like Perry said, that deer was much bigger. Well, I don't know much, but it was bigger than Perry's 196-inch buck. It was bigger than that last year, and it went ridiculous. downhill. We we had a 200-inch Missouri buck show up. 211 official. Cool. Yeah, we had uh, Steve Lucas from Buckmasters. Uh, he's the, one of the master scorers. Um, he came up for the event. So, again, it was a big live event we did there. Uh, y'all are here about this in a little bit. But um, had food, Weaver, again, Weaver meat processing. They were absolutely fantastic. Titus and Stanley over there, uh, I mean, knocked it out of the park. You know, providing food, had a tent set up for everybody. Uh, it was unbelievable. Did a flip-flop deer ham, which was pretty cool. Oh. That yeah, we first... talk about it here in a little bit, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it, it, it's uh something I was I had not experienced quite yet, and it was an absolute blast. Yeah, you want to talk about like a good like if you're having a bunch of folks over and you just want something like cool. If to you do, want to impress somebody, impress somebody, yeah. you just get a big old freaking fire and you throw a ham on it, or get get some good hot coals, throw the ham on it. Three minutes aside, flip that joke. Oh yeah. Oh dude, it was it's good. Awesome. It was so good. Uh, we had uh, West Moy showed up. Yeah, West Moy. Uh, he showed up. Tony Meyer showed up. Um, man, a couple other. Tony folks. killed some freaking studs. Yeah. So Tony's a again another past podcast guest along with West Moe. and uh, he tagged out. Uh, um, Tony tagged out with three really big deer this year. And the funny thing is, he was telling me on the side, he's like, "Man, I didn't even kill the biggest one. I was look, going for." Yeah, I had one opportunity and didn't have a good shot, and yep. you know, walk, let him walk, and you know, he'll be back there next year, hopefully for him. Yeah, but um, event event ran pretty long. It went really long. It was supposed to be like from eleven till like two. I think we didn't leave until like five something. So it oh was, yeah, we didn't leave till well after five o'clock. Yeah, um, but also huge shout out to Onyx. Onyx provided fifteen elite memberships uh, for the for the event, and it was awesome giving those away. Mm -hmm. So uh, fun. super huge shout out for Onyx for for providing that. Uh, but dude, it was a blast, man. The giveaways were, were awesome. Michael Perry brought a ton of uh, was it wild game research, uh, deer pee, and just I mean all kinds of stuff. Uh, Weavers provided uh, some um, processing vouchers. Um, I think it was five processing vouchers, and then they brought, they bought a lot of gear too to to, to give away. I mean, dude, it was awesome. Had kids everywhere, man. There was people running around with their kids, having a yeah. good time, dude. Everybody's eating deer hot dogs. Deer Everyone's burgers. taking pictures with uh, Perry's buck. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, oh and he brought his brother's 180 inch deer. Yeah, too. so he brought Matt Perry's 
180 plus inch buck that he killed in the 90s yeah 98 i think on public land in alabama and uh that story we're gonna have to we need to get him on the podcast Uh because i was telling some guys the story because perry i'll say perry there are two perrys matt and michael perry told me that story when we were hunting iowa last year and uh it is crazy it is crazy, like how yep. he shot that deer, because he did not realize what it was. You talk about like, you know, everybody talks about ground shrinkage. He had some ultimate ground growth by like <laughs> yeah. 120 inches. Oh my gosh! So yeah, um, that was a blast having all those bucks come through. Uh, we saw some nice ones. Uh, our buddy Miles Peak, he showed up with his buck. He uh, what was it publicly? I can't remember. No, no, he killed a seven point, and the mass on the seven point is ridiculous. Yeah, like, and, like he sent us pictures, and I was like, "Man, that's a good dude, buck." But then he whipped it out. He he freaking walked up with it at the event. I was like, "Oh my gosh, dude!" dude. It was uh, <laughs> I think official score was like 120, 128 inches as a seven point. Yeah, like literally. Oh, nearly 130 inch deer. That's a seven point. Dude, I mean, the mass on this deer. I can't get over the mass on that deer. He could have been a, <laughs> a, a spike with that mass, and I'd get like, I'd be very happy with that buck. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, that deer, that deer was awesome. Wes um, brought his 150 inch deer. Uh, he brought his 170 something inch deer. Uh, yeah, 174, and then he brought his uh his bow buck, and I think he two of them, two of the three, two of them made the book. Made the book. Yep. Yeah, and I was like, God, that's crazy, dude. So it, it was a uh, it was super super awesome event. But anyway, um, also we got to mention real quick again uh, again this episode we just did with Michael uh, Michael Chamberlain, Doctor yeah, Chamberlain. Yeah, so this is a this is a fun episode. Um, the trapping thing, you, I think you mentioned something about um, like the skill involved with predator trapping. I just I'll just say that I you know I trapped uh, now thinking back on it, it was two years that I trapped really hard, and in those two years I caught pretty much everything except a bobcat never did catch a bobcat dude i tried so hard that's what i wanted more than anything else never caught one they're they're hard to catch i had a lot of like near misses where a bobcat would come and like work through the set but never caught one man yeah i was gonna say you never killed a bobcat no i've never killed a bobcat i've had chances to kill bobcats is the bobcat still in your freezer yeah Mm -hmm. we gotta skin them out yeah we do um I had it. I've only had one good chance to kill a bobcat, and I didn't shoot it. Dude, I've seen. I see. I've seen so I had many a seven bobcats. Mag, I was like, I don't want to blow it in half because yeah. I, I just like you know, This is this is such a can of worms. But like with predators, one reason I asked Doctor Chamberlain about you know like, are you really making a difference if you shoot like a coyote or something? Um, that's one reason that I just in, unless I'm like wanting a fur or something, mm-hmm. then I typically just don't shoot him on a deer hunt because because of what he's talking about right there. So I don't want to say like don't shoot coyotes or anything. Like have at it, you know, shoot a coyote because I mean that is one less coyote on the landscape. Like you can't take away from that fact. But um, just for me personally, like I, usually when I'm shooting one, it's in like about this time of year. It's in January. And it's got a nice big old fluffy fur on it, and I'm wanting that fur, and that's why I shoot it. So that's another reason that I, I didn't shoot that bobcat is because I'm really just wanting the fur. Um, and I I had a seven mag that one time. I was like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm gonna really I, mess this thing see, up. I, kill, I killed one bobcat this year, passed another one. I wanted Arctal filmed. Yep. That sucker scared the hell out of me when it came out, dude. Because <laughs> it freaking dude, it was coming through this willow thicket. I was I was down there on the river. And uh, it was coming through this little willow thicket, and I didn't hear it because I was like playing on my phone. It was like noon, and all of a sudden, I I literally hear this, and I'm like, (laughs) "What the hell was that?" I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I heard." I was like, "What?" I'm like, "No way!" And I just I sat there on my phone. I didn't even move. Like it's a black panther. No, (laughs) (laughs) oh Clay, no, come and believe her, man. No, um, 
you but then it, it did it again and I'm like what and I like I like just glanced my eyes to the right and it's like coming through those willows and it was just, mm. it was it looked I don't know I don't know if it, I couldn't tell if it was a male or female but he got around it got around me you know 10 15 yards and I just kind of watched it filmed it a little bit on my phone but I was also hunting a really good spot for deer I'm like I'm not about to just you know blast this thing midday when uh-huh. you could have a big old buck come cruising through but that last one I shot yeah that you that you uh you did the you know, Andrew was my bird dog on that one. He retrieved it for me. Yeah, sure and, did. And uh, that was a big cat. That was a big one. That was a big one. Big female. Yeah. And it's currently in Andrew's freezer right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he got me all fired up about trapping, man. Every time we talk about trapping, I'm thinking if I join this club right here, I have a club like literally across the street from my house that I'm thinking about joining uh, next season. And I wonder if. But see, you know what's trapping out there. But you know what's going to happen, right? What? Just like this year, like Tiffany said, you know, you join this other club <laughs> and you're like, well, why don't you ever go? You know, I'm going in the morning. Screw y'all. I'm going to wake up and go before work. Andrew is becoming the member that we all had talked about on other episodes. Like, he's the member that you want to have in a club. He pays the money but doesn't that, really go out there. You know what? <laughs> I ain't even going to lie. That is That has been the case this year. have not gone out there a ton. Yeah, I got kind of carried away with some old public land yeah, hunts. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, is it worth it? Because, man, we get on some good public land hunts, Well, dude. it was worth it from the standpoint that I have a very easy ta- easy place to take Mike or Tiffany to go. See, Mike's, you, Mike's my stepdad, you, trying to get him his first deer. You need to get Mike to join it, and then you just go as the guest. Well, see, that's. I think I'm going to jump out of the club I'm in. They're next to each other. So I think I'm going to jump into this other club next year, and Mike's going to take my spot in my club that I'm in this year. And then... And then, you know, we can go back and forth. We'll be guests with each other or whatever. So I, I think that's maybe what yeah, we're you, doing. You don't, you don't well, see, the main reason uh, – here's, here's, here's my other excuse. Uh-huh. I got a bunch of them. Okay? <laughs> here's my other excuse. The, one of the main reasons I joined this club is because the, I thought there would be really good duck hunting on it. And I think there is. But I just – I haven't been able to really duck hunt, like, at all this year. I'm going, we're going Saturday. That's the first time I'm going. It's the last weekend of duck season. It's the first time I'm going this year. So – that was the main, and that that really was the main reason I joined it. That and I thought it would be really good for woodcock and stuff. Come to find out, can't I? There's I can't run Boone out there during woodcock season. So um, the the main two reasons I actually joined that one were were those, and so that didn't work out. The deer was kind of secondary, and I thought there was some good stuff for deer, and there is, um, but. The other club has a lot better terrain features on it, like much better terrain features. My club basically has one ridge that runs to the middle of it, and it, it sets up just kind of weird. I think I, you know, if I put time in, it would be good, but there's some obvious spots on the other place where I'm like, I could go sit there and do real good. You, you know what y'all do? Easy spots to get to. You, you, you got to take the money that you paid for that club and pay me, and I'll guide you on public. <laughs> <laughs> That's illegal in Alabama, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Gift it to me. There you Gift go. Gift it. There you go. No, no yeah. joke. But um, dude, no, that is funny. I, th- I thought about this. Like, man, Andrew put some pretty penny down this club. I'm like, gone freaking four times or whatever. Yeah. Hey, you got you got more. Look, more on very much. But <laughs> I had two spots that I was like, man, I'm gonna kill a buck right there, and then uh, I just haven't hunted. But it. it's now. I bet you it's good now because I told you I had, saw that buck locked down with that doe. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. Prob- yeah. I mean, it probably or two is. days ago. Whatever. Yeah. We we all live around here now. Jacob lives basically on the edge of one of these clubs that we're talking about, and yeah. he saw. What'd you see the other day? It was it was a nice buck. It was hard to tell because I mean, it was freaking dude. You talk about like. The rain was coming down so freaking hard, and those deer did not care. They're just hanging out. Dude, they were feeding chilling. out there. They were chilling, having a good time. But this doe, she was bedded down like right off the side of the little road right there, and there's a little, there's a fence row in between the uh, the road and the uh, this little uh, driveway in the backside. 
and she was bedded right there off the main off that road and that buck was standing right over the top of her this i mean he's like baby if you ain't moving if you ain't moving i ain't moving maybe i don't know like uh because you asked me like is it like would it make the like the soa uh requirements like 18 inch main beam 16 inches wide definitely wasn't 16 inches wide but he had some pretty pretty good time length um so i'm not sure um, i mean he well let me say he was bigger than my mistake buck from this year oh okay yeah for oh, sure yeah okay he'd probably be not, a not, not, not well not width wise but like time length yeah much better okay yeah. interesting so uh kind of it's kind of how i put it out there um but yeah, yeah. I, I like that other club I like it. I like the other one better, man. Man, the grass is always green on the other side. Grass of the fence. is always greener. That, that I, <laughs> you're, 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 I can't you're, say nothing. You're gonna join it. You're like, man. So listen, guys, I'm gonna say right now. It's gonna be January. It's gonna be late January, early February of 2024. And Andrew's gonna be like, man, I don't know about that club. I heard there's this one down the road. That I heard is real good. You know, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might happen. I ain't gonna lie. Look, cool. it's just nice having it right next to the house. No, it is. Oh, it's freaking sweet. It's freaking awesome. But um. No, dude. It's anyways. But that episode, this episode with uh, Mike Chamberlain, Doctor Mike Chamberlain was was a good time. I I enjoyed it. You know, it's a conversation that is interesting, especially when you're talking about the black bears and the predation with the black bears, which I was like fascinated with. Uh, but also, like what they're studying right now with CWD is kind of interesting as well. And again, shouldn't be one of those things that um, you just kind of sweep under the rug. Um, and it's also something that you know definitely needs to be studied. And hopefully, it doesn't piss too many people off. If 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 it pisses you off, I'll say. Hold, like chill out for a second like you know, i mean <laughs> easy you know we're just trying to study some study some whitetails here everybody just studying some whitetails studying things that we love to hunt but uh other than that dude i think i think we're good this uh this outro is gonna be a fun one so hopefully, yeah, hopefully y'all enjoy it because again we recorded this at the uh the event it was a live uh, podcast yeah. this will be a part one too by the way because uh we had we had multiple people we wanted to get on there. We kind of tried to fit it all in one, and then it wound up being like two hours, so we're just breaking it in half. Yep. And uh, next week's Friday Breakdown will be the second half of uh, of this outro with some different folks on it. So it'll be basically two different uh, two different Yeah, podcasts. Yeah, two different podcasts. I just said outro again. God, Friday Breakdowns, boy. Mm. But anyways, guys, appreciate y'all uh, listening to the podcast, and again, hope y'all enjoy this outro. So stick around for it and uh hey let us know let, let us know what you thought about this one it was kind of fun doing stuff in person with some guys and uh hopefully listen i want to i want to do some foreshadowing here let me know what y'all think about the emus <laughs> all right we'll get now let's get to the outro houndstooth game calls is your home for turkey calls this spring go check them out they got all the classic turkey calls you know they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls but they also got a couple really interesting calls one of them is called the the success call and you just need to go look it up it's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand it's really really cool sounds incredible they also got the spur master which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique clean tones out of they're going to help you out this turkey season use the promo code sop24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Uh, this is a live edition coming at you from Weaver Meat Processing here in Hartz, Alabama. Is this Hartzell, right? That's right, Okay. Yep. Some people tell me different addresses. Um, we're just going to go and let everybody introduce themselves. We're going to start at my left. Introduce yourself. Yep, yep. My uh, my name's Titus Weaver, so I'm the owner, co-owner, actually, of Weaver Meat Processing, as of about four months ago. So super exciting building this company and growing it and seeing all the incredible customers that come in. It's always fun meeting new people. Yes, sir. Moving around to the left. 
And I am Stanley Weaver. I am also the co-owner along with Titus. And uh, my basically what I do here is I am the head butcher as well here at Weaver Meat Processing. And um, so whenever you bring a deer in, it goes through my hands at some point. So it is, uh, it's an incredible, really, uh, job. Uh, I love it. Love what I do. Yeah. Before we get to our next guest, I got to say this, seeing videos of Stanley with his knife work is terrifying. <laughs> okay. Because first of all, I'm like, I would be, there would be no fingers left on my hand, like at all these knife flips as he's cutting deer. It's, it's wild, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to be entertaining. So hopefully y'all see some of that in some future videos. But next we have sitting next to us, Michael Perry. Man, the man that's I've seen Stanley and them working them knives since they're about three years old. <laughs> that's so right. They have perfected the craft amazingly. So, yes. And we are hanging out here at Weaver's, and it's been an awesome day. A bunch of folks come by. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's been fantastic. And, of course, uh, Jacob Myers here. Super excited to be here. It's been an awesome event. Again, we actually started quite a bit later than we thought we were going to because yeah. of how busy the event was and talking to people the whole nine yards. So it's been uh, it's been awesome. Again, this we're uh, sitting here at Weaver Meat Processing. Um, did our first, I guess, kind of um, really kind of getting back into doing some live events. Um, again, uh, Titus Stanley, y'all were uh, again more than uh, willing to help host this event, which was awesome with y'all's facility here. I uh, get the tent, the food set up. It was unbelievable. We'll talk a little bit about that today as well. Um, but it was awesome just seeing the turnout, all the people coming out with kids and the whole nine yards and seeing all these giant deer. Got uh, Steve Lucas here from Buckmaster scoring deer. He's still scoring deer. He's been scoring deer for the last four hours. Uh, has not yet stopped. So uh, uh -oh. it's, it's a piece of paper. It's been unreal. Oh, Andrew got his score sheet back. Let's see. Uh, Buckmaster's 112 and 08s, I think that says. Nice. 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 Yeah. Sweet. Yep. Um, so Andrew's got his one of his deers scored, uh, but yeah, anyways, it's been an awesome event. Uh, did a ton of giveaways. Onyx uh, gave away. Um, we did uh, 15 elite memberships at this event, along with uh, uh, Weaver Meat providing five uh, $85 vouchers, which was awesome as well to give away. And we had all kinds of other door prizes. Michael Perry brought all kinds of door prizes from um, uh, Wildlife Research Center. Yes, and, I mean Deer P. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. everybody was getting a bottle. It was right. it, it was awesome. We appreciate them donating that. That was a big help. So yep. a lot of stuff. So that had a bunch of other gear that we gave away as well. Uh, but it's been an awesome event. But on this episode, we're gonna this gonna be kind of fun because oh, wait a minute, we gotta stop. Oh. Tony Myers, Donna Myers, y'all missed out leaving early because y'all missed. Out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they weren't all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, we we you know me and Conrad might need, need well if I could talk might need to go back and look at you know all the names in there and see how many times they had their names in there because it was like they had some pine tar or something because every time you stick your hand there you know you stuck your hand you know, looking at it so uh, yeah they had they had a winning strategy it seemed anyway super excited though but to kind of you know round up this event we got this live podcast here got people sitting around um, I want to kind of go through and talk to we got Stanley here and Titus Weaver. Um, we are at, again, Weaver Meat Processing. I want to talk a little bit about the history of this place. Uh, of course, it seems like y'all kind of grew up in this kind of butcher business, and I want to kind of talk about that and kind of, you know, how Weaver, you know, processing has kind of got to this point. So, Titus, you can take us away a little bit on that and kind of give us some backstory on Weaver Meat Processing? Oh, yeah. Well, man, I've been... Man, I've been cutting off deer legs since I was probably three years old. <laughs> so, you know, as a little kid, just running around, helping my dad. I've got six brothers, two sisters. So it's been really cool growing up in this, in the, the meat processing space. So uh, my grandfather actually started the Weaver uh, meat processing 
deal. So that was uh, in South Alabama, Orville is where he started his facility. That was my grandpa. And then my dad helped him build that. So it was probably in the, if best I recall, it was in the 1980s, I believe, that my grandpa came up with this bologna recipe, and he made it for him and his family. And, of course, they loved it. But then he started making it for a few other people, and people just went crazy over this deer bologna. They said, I, I got to have some. So, But in that time, the dairy industry, which is what he was in as a, a main occupation, was just on the rocks. It was terrible. So he was thinking, I need to do something to supplement our income. So that's when he built the first little butcher shop. And they did about four or five additions to that plant in Orville. But then fast forward to 1997, my dad said, well, I love doing this. So he came up to Hartswell, Alabama, started this facility. We started with probably a 8,000 square foot facility. And since then, we've done three, three additions. So we've been rocking and rolling since. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what I was going to say is, you know, you guys are a full-blown meat processing facility. It's not just wild game. That's Um, right. So that's a a huge difference between you guys and just other processors I've used in the past is most of them, you know, they're seasonal. You know, they just do wild game. And there's always been like a stigma with me in the past with some of those processors just because they're only doing it four or five months out of the year. And they normally don't have the most cleanest facilities or anything like that. And it just almost seems like it is, they're not taking it as serious because it's just like, you know, a side business for them. Where for you guys, this is our livelihood and y'all right. employ a lot of people and have a new facility get, being built right next to the current one, which is going to be awesome, which we'll talk about probably in a little bit. But uh, it's been kind of interesting to kind of see you guys after working with you guys now going for our second year now, uh, kind of behind the scenes of some of the stuff because it's awesome to kind of see like what takes place here at Weavers and why you know you guys kind of stand out among the you know the busy crowd of this wild game processors. But again, y'all do beef, pork, and the whole nine yards. Also emu, which we're going to talk about emu in a little bit. People oh, yeah. emu. We <laughs> see Stanley working on an emu. This thing it's like that pterodactyl. You're just freaking sitting there. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like the biggest. It's the biggest looking turkey you've ever seen. And I'm like, okay, well, he breaks this sucker down in half a second. Um, but to kind of get back into it a little bit more, what's y'all's been? What's y'all's journey been like, again, kind of growing up in the industry? And again, like you said, uh, Titus, you started at probably three years old cutting deer legs off, okay? How did they got that kind of transfer, I guess, throughout high school and everything else to now, you know, you and Stanley being, you know, co-owners in the business? Yeah, so, um, so a- ever since I was about 18, I just had this entrepreneurial drive. I, I knew I wanted to do something, own my own business, Um, And I wanted to do it in the food industry, but I wasn't sure. I I didn't know at that time that I would be the owner of Weaver Meat Processing. So when I was uh, 24, I believe, 23 or 24, I started another food company, which is on hold right now. But then uh, at the age of 25, which was a year ago, we were presented with the opportunity to purchase Weaver Meat Processing. And all the pieces of the puzzle just came together. It it was amazing how it all came together. And at that time, we decided to build the new facility so that we can really begin to provide more processing options for farmers, deer hunters, you name it. Like, we're going to be the one-stop shop for all things meat processing related. So, and I'm excited to talk about that uh, maybe a little later about what our capacities are with that new facility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the one thing I noticed the first time we came up here uh, and you gave me a tour of the facility was like, and I told you this like right off the bat, was like the cleanliness. 
Yes. Like it was, and it, cause it was like, even after hours, it was like, y'all had just got done with a hard work day and went back there. And like the, the classic processor environment to me is like, you walk in and there's a smell, it hits you right in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, it was like you're inside of a tarsal. Yeah, <laughs> you, you walk and you're like, God. And that's, I mean, cause I've been to other ones after hours and the same thing. Like it hits you in the face. You're like, what? Hey, look, I brought Tiffany to one, one time yep. and we walked in and she's like, is where you're getting our food from? <laughs> <laughs> nasty but again that wasn't the case like walked in and y'all had just got done cleaning everything up i'm like dude this place is like spotless but also just like there's no none of that smell going through all the went through all the freezers all the different uh you know y'all you know pretty much walk-in smokers which are that's my favorite room the whole smoking side of the building is awesome and not talking cigarette smoking i'm talking like smoking meats (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome um we have strict protocols in place no smoking inside the facility (laughs) So. Uh, but anyway, so that, that was kind of a, a big factor, uh, kind of for us early on, but it kind of get back into the whole, I guess, industry side of everything. When did y'all start doing again, like, or when did your dad, especially with this facility, start doing the, uh, wild game in addition to, uh, beef and pork? Uh, and then also had that transfer into emu. Cause I do want to talk about emu in a second. Yeah. So in 1997, when he built this facility, um, he, he, We've done deer and beef and pork ever since we opened. So, and and we are inspected by the state for cleanliness. So that naturally transfers to to us when we do deer. So we're very our, our attention to cleanliness is is pretty high. We've got really good cleaning chemicals and uh, that we use, and and the employees are trained on all the best ways. So. Uh, yeah, it's we, we've been a full-service butcher shop from day one. Uh, it's not like we shut down in February when we're done with deer and, and we don't process for nine months. We process year-round. So, so in probably 2000 to 2003, I don't recall exactly when we started processing emus. I was way too young back then, like five years old. So uh, we started processing emus, and, man, it's grown to quite the – the deal like last year we did uh we did 2800 2800 yeah what and now there's people calling us wanting us to do ostriches and man these ostrich they're like three times bigger than amy so i'm not sure about See, these that. people sitting around like like think we're joking dude these things are ginormous <laughs> you throw them up on a freaking the table and sailors over just freaking working who is it around here that's got a field full of freaking emus <laughs> running around that's what i'm wondering i don't know they're I saw a Facebook group one time where a guy had one on trail cam that had gotten out, and he's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, Man, sometimes they get out, so when we're processing them, when we're unloading the emus, like one will slip through the gate, <laughs> and they just take off running. Like, these birds can Dude, run up get, to 45 miles an hour. You get that turkey shotgun back. There was some TSS ready to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. What do you, how do you catch an emu? Do you just shoot it? I mean, oh, yeah, you can't catch it. You have to shoot it. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Are you sending the 270 its way, or what are you doing? <laughs> uh, shot, shotgun with some bird shot. Okay. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. I was but. totally joking, too. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's legit. That's how we shoot them. Yeah. Dang, oh, man. It, oh, it's very effective. It's that long beard XR. Come on. We've had to do that probably five times. Man, this sounds like an interesting uh, job, man. Dude, I'm going to be here when they drop them off. That sounds like a good time. I just want to be the gun guy. So, <laughs> yeah. No hunting license well, needed for that. We'll let some out on purpose for you. There you go. <laughs> Wild emu chase, baby. <laughs> no, uh, just real quick, just not to make the whole conversation about emu, but uh, that's all. For, is that for restaurant quality? I mean, what is like, what is that being? What? 
I'm just laughing at Tiffany, laughing at you. So, anyway, <laughs> like the emu, is it like going in like private industry? Like, what is that being like? What's the application for like for restaurants, or is that for again wholesale? Like, what what does that kind of consist of? Yeah, so there it's wholesale as well as some uh, some retail sales. The guy that we process the emus for has a website, so you can go on his website and buy the emu cuts of meat. So, but it's interesting. There's this tick that you can get bit by, and then you develop what's called the alpha gal syndrome, I believe it is. Yeah. So you become allergic to mammal proteins, <laughs> which would be wild. Like I can't imagine having that allergy. But that, but these people can eat emu meat, which is really close to beef. It's a red protein. It's actually darker in, in its red color than beef. So it's, it's really close to beef in its flavor and texture. So these people really like it. And the, the guy that sells it, he sells out all the time. Like, you, know, you go on his website and you see out of stock on this, out of stock on that. So wow. he's really developed a, a market for it. Are y'all processing the oil, too, for the, the arthritic oil that they're using, that emu oil for? Y'all doing that, too? We do, yeah. So that is actually the biggest reason that we process the emus. So they take this fat and render it into oil, and then that oil goes into shampoos, uh, creams, lotions. I've heard it goes into makeup, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't verified that. Yeah. The audience here is, but Tiffany's sitting here next to us, and she's just making some faces at this. <laughs> she's she's like, oh, what you mean I've been rubbing emu all over my face? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they actually, about uh, 10 years ago, they developed this product called emuprofen. And the emu oil is like it it penetrates your skin like really good so they put ibuprofen in with the semi oil and these people with arthritis would rub this oil the semiprofen on their <laughs> joints <laughs> and That's it would name work right there man <laughs> but, yeah by the way we have another mic here guys if anyone has a question you can actually step up and talk so oh yeah at any yeah. moment if you feel like yeah come on <laughs> you got any question it's funny what yeah. we're talking about i don't know um yeah, I just I had to bring the whole emu thing because people are like emu, like what? what? Like, you know, it's uh, that's, it's that's crazy enough. Amazing. But again, I, I want to film like y'all breaking one down because you see this thing on the table and yeah. Stanley's working on it. And like, dude, this thing is ginormous. I want to know yeah. if anybody's ever been whooped by one because I talked to a vet one time that had got skinned up by emu bad one time. Mm-hmm. So. Do they have spurs? <laughs> uh, yeah, they so they have uh, their foot has like three claws on it. And so they, but they don't kick out the back like a horse would. They kick out the front. Like a kangaroo. Yes. So they'll come straight at you. You better get out of the way. Because <laughs> these emus will jump. They'll jump like my brother James, he's standing over there. But they'll jump probably five foot at least. Wow. And, and they'll kick and they'll I've hurt you. I've heard they like shred blue jeans, like just shred blue jeans and under the skin on you before. So. Oh, they do. They're dangerous. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You have to be very careful Dang, when you're uh, handling them. Whooped by an emu. Dude, you're you're uh, like full football. I never pads, thought we'd be talking about this. Bike helmet. <laughs> you got like a biker's yeah. helmet on, dude. You're freaking uh, motocross. Like, ready to go. You, you got a steel cup on. You ready to play, man? I mean, <laughs> these work, workmen's comp auditors. They come in. They're like, man, no, I'm not. I'm not insuring your workforce. This is way too much risk. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. Yeah, show it to the hospital. You know, you got a concussion and freaking broken arm or something, uh, all cut up. And man, what happened to you? Emu got me. Oh, what? 
Yeah. You were like, at the pet what? zoo, like, no, we're at the butcher what shop. Was <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, still kicking on the table. God, no. Oh, that's, that's great, man. <laughs> I, I want to I get into uh, some meat care uh, questions because, you know, obviously y'all are, y'all are a meat processor. And so I wanted to kind of pick your brain about, I don't know, some meat care, maybe some misconceptions and stuff. Um, one of the first things I wanted to ask about was like, like you guys are not local to me. Okay. So I live mm-hmm. like a hundred miles from here, but I still bring you guys my deer cause y'all do a really good job. And so let's say I kill a deer on Saturday morning and I can't get it to you until Sunday night, Monday morning. What do I need to do with that deer to maximize meat quality and, and get it to you guys if I'm wanting to bring it here? Um, and let's just say it's Alabama and it's January, so it's like 60 degrees. Typical January day in Alabama. Yeah, you know. With tornadoes. With tornadoes. Got to dodge a couple naders getting up here. So the biggest thing really is just get that meat cold just as soon as you can. Um, You can think about it like this. Meat is a time-sensitive product. The longer it goes, and it's kind of a, you know, that's a million-dollar question. Well, how long can you go without, you know, how long can that deer lay there without being cold? Well, you know, I don't know. You you might can get scientific with that. I I can't provide those answers for you, but just get it cold just as soon as you possibly can. Um, you know, really, um, if you you can quarter it, that, that's that's what a lot of people do. They'll quarter it down, throw it in some ice, and I know y'all have done that multiple times. Um, throw it on some ice, put it in a bag, in a cooler on ice don't let the water get inside the bag that's what we like to to preach mm-hmm. to people i know that's kind of a, a hot topic with some people but uh we're gonna ask about that one next yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the biggest just the biggest thing get it cold just as soon as possible and you know if it smells good if it looks good if it feels good it's probably going to taste good so that's kind of the, the the smell look feel that's kind of the test to to, to get that quality meat what, what what would be your red flag as far as i mean obviously smell if it smells bad but what about what about looking at it because like there can be a little discoloration sometimes like i guess where it oxidizes or something um what are or and that and when it comes to feel too like how do you know like okay this is like i really need to do something with this meat so typically on the feel part is if that meat stays out long enough it'll it'll develop um bacteria and so what the bacteria does is it makes that meat sort of slimy, right? So you get sort of a uh, just a really slimy texture you might or consistency. So you if you run your hand down that meat, if it's got a little bit of build up, that's that bacteria. The meat underneath might still be good, but you'll have to trim all that off in order in order to uh, ensure quality. Um Oh, the the look of it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the oxidation doesn't necessarily hurt the meat um typically you'll have that when the the meat is is open air basically you get air to that meat and it it can oxidize and turn dark um we see that a lot with a lot of dry aging um so when typically when people dry age it 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 will like it'll dry out the meat and you'll have that film and that that's that oxidation on the outside so it's not really going to hurt anything yeah it might not be real pleasant to eat so we typically just just trim that off okay now when it comes to the like 
keeping the meat in the water thing. Like some guys will like soak their deer meat in water overnight to like get the gaminess out. Um, I'm like, what, what is your opinion on that? What is your stance on that? Is it controversial? Yeah, it's very controversial. It depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, we've talked about people soaking their milk, uh, their milk and meat, their meat and milk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've heard Mountain Dew and, and Coke and, and all that kind of crazy coffee? stuff. To call, do probably they do coffee? coffee? Coffee. Probably. Probably. Make a little red-eye gravy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, you know. Where you typically get your gamey taste is from the glands. You need to keep an eye out for the glands. There's one in particular in the hind quarter that is is pretty bad. It actually runs down to the tarsal gland, so you don't definitely don't want that in your meat. Um, there's also one on the shoulder, as well as some in the neck. Four or five different glands that you need to keep an eye out for, as well as fat. Deer fat isn't really that pleasant. It uh, it don't taste that great, so we try to trim all that off as well. Um, you know, meat acts like a sponge, so whenever you soak that, whenever you throw that in a in a cooler full of ice and water, the meat's gonna tip it. I mean, it's it, it's gonna soak all that water up, and so <clears throat> especially when we start grinding it for um, for like hamburger and stuff, it it'll turn into mush real quick. So it won't be a nice consistency, not won't be a nice red flavor, uh, color, not flavor. Um, well, I was gonna say the that whole thing of like soaking meat. I had an old, I had a neighbor that uh, in a house I grew up in. Um, he was an older guy, and he swore he's like, man, you know, I'm gonna cook some back straps this weekend. I got, I got him soaking right now. I'm like soaking, and I, you know, I'm probably 14, 15, 16 years old at the time in high school, and uh, he's like, yeah, I got soaking whole milk. I'm like, whole milk, really? He's like, yeah, I soak from Thursday through Saturday, and Saturday night we'll cook it. And I'm like, really? I'm like, interesting. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know anything better back then. And I knew other family members that would soak deer meat in ice water, salt water, all that, get the, you know, uh, you know, get the quote-unquote gaminess out of it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the more and more I talked to some actual, like, butchers, not like wild game processors, but just butchers, they're like, you would never do that with beef, like, ever. Um and it's like just interesting that a lot of people do, you know, do it with wild game, specifically with, with deer or even like hogs too. Um, and kind of brings out that, uh, I guess makes it even more, I could say mild flavor, but it, it, that, that water soaks up so much, specifically water, I guess soaks up so much in the meat. It just makes it bland and just tasteless really. Uh, especially depending on how long you sit it in there. And some people like that. Some people want like, when I cook into it, when I cut into it and I bite it, it just tastes, I have a texture of meat and it tastes like whatever I season it with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And I've had, and I've had like someone's backstrap who did that. They would literally soaked in meat for like three or four days and cut, and you cut it and it looks freaking pale as crap. You season it, you throw it on the grill and it comes off like, okay, it looks okay. Then you taste it and you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just like took everything out of what makes that, you know, backstrap tastes like backstrap, that ba- that steak. And it's just like a, you know, you, I'm like, there's meat in my mouth. I'm chewing on it. I can taste it. But all I'm tasting is like the seasoning. And there's none of that, like, I guess the meaty flavor, which is kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, it's it's amazing how many people actually do that. But I think, do y'all think it comes back to, like, the whole mindset of, like, you know, generations before us, like the idea of, like, you know, just some people didn't have, like, the right mindset for game care uh, or, like, meat care per se or, like, 
I'll say this, maybe they just didn't cook that well or like whatever it was. I mean, do y'all have like any theories or thoughts? Mr. Perry, you got any thoughts here? You soak yours in meat and water? No. No. I got a question. I got a question about the about the cooler stuff. About you said you prefer it being a plastic bag or something versus just sitting straight on the ice, the meat straight to the ice. If you can keep the meat out of the water, that's ideal. I seen uh, any way you can do that. I, I I had a cooler come through just last week, and they took like a, I don't know, it was almost like a little stand, and set it in the bottom of their cooler, right. put the meat on that, and then ice on top of that, where the water could drain down past the meat and yeah. and out. That's ideal, I think. Yeah. Um, well, the way I do it most times, I just put a layer of ice down. I just mm-hmm. sit my meat on top of the ice, but I leave the drain plug crack where exactly. it stays drained off. So. And, and and prop up the back end of it where it can really properly right. okay. drain. Yeah, but I didn't know because I heard you say something about bags. If, if you preferred it being in bags sitting on ice versus meat straight to the ice. So. So, but no, I don't I don't soak ours. We don't, the only time soaking we do is when we get ready to cook it and we're soaking Mar- it in little Mar- dales and water. So. You get down with that. No, uh, that's something, especially like on these some of these longer road trips that we come on uh, or we go on, uh, like Iowa last year, which it got cold enough last year. I mean, that meat pretty much was frozen. We just I left that meat. We cut it up and I just threw it in the back of the truck and it literally froze in a matter of a couple of hours. Um, but it also was like negative 20 something at night. So but you can't <laughs> do that here in Alabama. Um, but like the, the whole idea of like packing it on ice, like what you're talking about, Perry, and just leave the drain plug open and just, you know, tilt it up. We do that all the time and it works. It works really, really well as long as nothing stops at that drain plug. You don't have any meat stop at the drain plug. And then next mm-hmm. thing you know, it's full of, you know, water and ice. And you're like, oh, well, crap. That's, not, you know, now we got problems. Um, I didn't think about the whole consistency, though. Um, Stanley on like the grinding aspect. That makes a lot of sense, too. Like you soak that meat and then try to grind it. You just got Play Doh at that point. That's <laughs> right. That's right. A lot of times, also, you'll, you'll see, you know, if, if you like cook a whole backstrap or something, it'll actually have a little bit of a boiled texture and taste a little bit if you soak your meat that much yeah. i think so oh it's like you just yeah. drop that thing in a that is pot exactly of boiled water what it is. and then pulled it out and oh, seasoned it yeah. <laughs> oh man because yeah i mean i mean i've done it before i used to i used to put deer meat in like a saltwater brine yeah and it was like that you know i tried that for a while and i was like yeah i can't get this to work and that's exactly the kind of texture it would mm-hmm. be like it would be like kind of dry somehow mm-hmm. it's i don't know like uh, that was also probably me overcooking a little bit but but that that's actually a good way of putting it. It's like a it's like a boiled texture. It's not a great texture. Not <laughs> not at all. Now, I, now I got a pet yep. peeve thing that I want to ask about that really grinds on me is when I pull up here and I see somebody with three deer laying in the back of the truck that still got the guts in them. Oh yeah, seventy degrees, whatever. And as soon as I shoot a deer, if I get to it within a, within thirty minutes, I'm having it because I I just don't like the thoughts of riding around with a deer with with the guts in it and bringing it up here and. All that's just sitting there swelling and swelling and swelling, what that might do to the inside of a deer. So what is what is the time factor or your thoughts on driving around with them guts to limit them to bring them up here, let y'all gut them or whatever? So. I mean, as soon as you possibly can is definitely the best. We charge to gut them. We gut them if people don't want to. We understand people don't like, they just don't want to gut them for some reason. Um, and we charge like what is it 30 bucks yeah yeah to, we charge 30 dollars so yeah. again you know it that's sort of the million dollar question how long can that gut stay in there with that and and the meat still be good um you know tip so so if a gut stays in there for long enough the first place you'll start to see it is on the flanks and they'll start to turn sort of green blue and 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 then that sort of that that hind quarter um, 
tenderloin area, it'll start to smell. So you can pretty quickly detect when when meat has turned by the smell of an ungutted deer. It's pretty easy to tell. So that's that's one thing we watch out for really, really closely. And it depends uh, a lot on the temperature of that day that you killed it. If it's like 80 degrees in Alabama, January day, sometimes. Hot, humid. <laughs> yes. Those guts need to come out ASAP. But there's days that, you know, it's 15, 20, 30 degrees. And the guts could probably stay in a little bit longer. But still, it's like get those guts out really quick. That is Also, you never know what your shot was exactly like. Give you an example. Like deer, yeah. we, deer we, I shot this past weekend, um, I thought it was perfect right behind the shoulder quarter and shot. And we get up to it when it's dead. And literally the exit holes, I mean, almost hit the, the offside shoulder. And there was a little bit of stomach matter right there. I was like, how did the heck? And I flipped it over and like the shot looks good. But somehow mm-hmm. when the bullet went in and how it fractured, whatever it is, whatever happened, it somehow popped part of the stomach. And it's like, and you, sometimes you don't ever know that until you gut the deer, whether it's sometimes it's archery shots, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you shoot with a rifle. Yeah, and I had to gut his deer for him. And man, it was, <laughs> I almost charged him for it. Did I was pay about you? to ask him for $30. <laughs> I heard that. It was bad. <laughs> it was nasty. But, but again, that's one of those things like, you know, sometimes you don't know with a shot, like what you're dealing with. And again, if you happen to just barely nick that or some bullet fragment comes off or bone fragment goes and like punches the stomach, you know, what you, you might have, you know, a couple of hours. Now you have, you know, probably less than that before you start having some some serious issue uh inside the meat so that's a good point um uh, i want to well go ahead i'm sorry so uh, if, if you're in the woods and you have to gut your deer a lot of times it works just to get just the guts themselves out like you can leave it would work to leave the liver the heart and the lungs in because that's that's not really guts really it, it's more yeah it's the heart liver and lung so that's not really gonna gonna spoil quick. So if if you have to do just the minimum amount, just rip out those intestines, the stomach, and and then when you can get the rest of it out later. Yeah, a lot of the old school folks used to do that. They just got the guts out and they left the heart and all the liver and all that because they were gonna eat it. So they, I remember doing that a lot with dad. So mm-hmm. Just that diaphragm back. So yes. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the true lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K-chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. Uh, 
another meat care question I've got, and actually I got Wes Moe sitting here behind me. He actually just typed this up. I guess he didn't want to ask the question himself on the podcast. And uh, what is the what is like being discussed now with uh, CWD and meat care when it comes to like say you take a deer in a CWD county, uh, say in Alabama, or if you're you know bringing a deer in from another state where of course it needs to be boned out. What is like the the meat care process, or is there any? Do you have anything to discuss or, or mention when it comes to this like CWD and um, you know meat coming from those areas, or also like what that meat care needs to be like? Yeah, so well, the state has regulations, the conservation department, where you have to debone the deer, as all all you probably know that, uh, and, and then there are CWD zones here in Alabama now because of the positive tests that came back. So the deer that come from those zones have to be deboned as well. So when we receive the deboned meat, it's, Stanley, would you say it's probably impossible to see if it's, if it, if it would test positive? I mean, that, that would be. Yeah, because the, the um, <clears throat> yeah, right. So, so the CWD is actually found in the spinal column of the deer that's where it re- and the brain that's where it's at so that's why they require to have it deboned yes and that's, so and, oh sorry Sam. and that's why you can bring the meat back but you can't bring the bones back yeah because so that's, that's that's where it's found it's like when i was in iowa and like what we did last year and this year the meat had to be completely deboned on ice and you had to have a clean skull cap you can't even bring a whole deer head home you had to cape it off the head cut the skull plate off have a clean skull plate um and then bring it back that way. So, yeah, you couldn't have any kind of spinal cord or, or head or anything come back. So, I mean, that's just kind of standard for all meat care. But, yeah, that's why if you get in the, hand, or get in the, the habit of deboning your meat and then bringing it in like that, it doesn't matter whether you killed it here in Alabama, killed it in the CWD zone, killed it in another state, you do the same thing every single time. It's pretty easy. That definitely does take more time uh, to be able to debone one, and definitely it's not fun doing it in the, in the field. I have done it quite a few times. But uh, it's one of those things like you get the deer out, whether you quarter it out, and then you can debone at the truck or whatever. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. And it's also easier to transport a deboned deer than a quarter deer or even a whole deer specifically. Um, that's one thing. It's really, it's kind of based off different situations, but like you can keep a deer on ice and meat on ice for quite some time. Like it's not just a day or two, especially if you have a good cooler. You wrote, you know, you, you consistently put more ice on there. You have it well drained. Uh, again, the meat's not sitting in water or anything like that. Um, this seems like you can get away for, you know, three or four days in the right conditions or maybe even longer. Oh, dude, that Georgia buck I shot this year, mm-hmm. I was keeping him in like an igloo cooler, like an El Cheapo cooler. And uh, that one, I had it tilted up. I had him in a bag, tilted up, and I just put more ice, I packed more ice every on day. it like every mm-hmm. day. And he was in there for like eight days or yeah. something. And that's one of those things that like you, fine. you pull it out and pass the smell test, the eye test, it looks great. Um, and it's one of those things that a lot of people, again, they get kind of, I guess, worry about, especially if you're on a hunting trip and you're gone for a while, like, oh, I got to go take the deer to a processor now somewhere where I'm at because mm. I don't, I'm, I'm worried about meat care. And it's like, you have the right kind of cooler set up and debone that deer. You're not going to have a lot of issues with it as long as you pack and keep ice on it. Um, does anyone have any other questions on that? Because I want there's another uh, myth I want to talk about real quick. Nobody. Okay, I want to talk about the whole idea of not the whole idea of thawing out meat and not being able to refreeze it. Okay, I was oh, taught this by my grandmother. That's a good that one. like you can't thaw out some kind of meat or really anything and then refreeze it and then it's edible afterwards because it's going to have all this bacteria and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm telling you that was pounded in my head by my grandmother growing yep. up. And then I started doing it. I'm like. 
No, there ain't, I'm like, there's no issue here. I'm but still again, alive. Yeah, I'm, but, but what is y'all? What is y'all's take, especially from like a more like commercial standpoint when it comes to like thawing out, you know, frozen meat and then refreezing it? Like, what's y'all's you know take on it? Yeah, I'll jump in here on this one. Uh, so I I write the food safety programs for our company. I've been trained in in food safety systems, HACCP specifically. But it, it's a generally accepted practice to thaw and refreeze meat. The USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, is totally okay with that. So the, the big thing that you don't want to have happen is that meat to get above 40 degrees. And preferably keep it colder than that. But uh, if it gets above 40 degrees, then the bacteria can start to grow because at that point they're that the cold doesn't inhibit their growth so but i mean you could freeze and re uh, uh thaw out meat you could do it a lot and it, it wouldn't hurt you it wouldn't make you sick now i probably i wouldn't do that but it wouldn't make you sick yeah well and that's like something because you know i just remember like we thaw out like say like a roast or something and like it just be in the refrigerator and you go, you know, put back in the freezer. I'd be at her house. Shut oh, up. You can't do that. We got to cook it now. You can't, yeah. can't do that. And it's like, I totally get like, you sit out on your, you know, on your table. It's out there for five, six hours. It gets up to room temperature. And, oh, and I, maybe you got a little bit of, she might want to cook that thing right now, real quick and high heat, maybe. I don't mm, know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, notice the whole refreezing. Again, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that different ages, all oh, you can't do it. And I'm glad we kind of bring that up again. There's no real issue with it, um, especially if you throw it in the refrigerator. This is, this is where it happens to me. You thaw out a bunch of meat. I like to throw out a bunch of meat in the refrigerator. I'm going to cook over the next, say, week. Mm-hmm. And then you might have to get a point like, oh, crap, I've got a hunting trip. I'm going to be gone for three or four days. I can't take it with me. Do I leave it in the fr- refrigerator or do I throw it back in the freezer? And, again, just throw it back in the freezer typically is what I do, and then, you know, we're, we're good to go. But, again, I know people that would, like, potentially even throw that out. Like, if they couldn't use it at that mm-hmm. point, they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to refreeze it. I'm just going to throw it out. Man, that's I'm my like, mom. I argue with her about it, like, so much because she still thinks that and like i can't change her mind but she'll throw away like a whole steak or something like if she thaws it out or like a whole thing of ground meat like whatever she'll just throw it in the garbage i, I want sick yeah i wonder why some of these uh some of these people think that or because it's it's probably taught to them by their parents and and their grandparents so maybe something maybe there was something that led to that belief well, I think it's, I think sure. it is probably just common practice for if you want to thaw a steak out, you just bring it out and put it on the counter, right? Like you don't just you don't thaw it out and put it in the fridge. So, you know, maybe that's where that comes from because it does get up over that temperature typically if you if you're thawing a steak out to intending to cook it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people want it even to come to room temperature before they cook it. So, that might be where that comes from. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, if the steak or the meat gets up to room temperature, I probably wouldn't refreeze it and and then thaw it out and eat it. But if you're if you're cooking it on high heat, you're going to kill anything that would make you sick anyway, but I like my steak medium rare. So, yeah, we're going to have yeah. a science we're going to have a going to be like a science fair project here. We're going to we're going to leave one out for a little bit. I'll eat it and see how it goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll film the whole process and probably me on the toilet for 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um you get the dude wipes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so um, a, another thing that I'm just kind of curious with when it comes to, you know, we're talking about meat care here. And this is from like y'all standpoint uh, with Weaver Processing is uh, 
the whole conversation about batch products when it comes to specialty products, this is something I've been wanting to discuss with you guys for a while. It's because we've had, uh, you know, people ask questions and stuff like this when it comes to like high quality and the consistency on certain products. The whole idea about doing individual uh, orders versus like a batch order, batch product, and kind of what that consists of when it comes to like the consistency of the product, but also uh, kind of what's going into that said process. So can, can y'all kind of like walk us through like the mindset of doing like, a, again, batch product versus um, doing like the, uh, I guess the individual order per se, when it comes to like specialty products, we're talking like summer sausage, we're talking, um, you know, bratwurst, we're talking like hot dogs, stuff like that. Like, can y'all kind of walk us through that process? Yeah, you yeah. want me to go, Titus? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to let Stanley take this one. Um, so the biggest thing with, with, with batch processing and, and the advantages of it is, like you said, a consistent product. Every deer is different. I don't care, you know, if it, if it comes from a, from an old buck, a five-and-a-half-year-old buck, or a, or a year-and-a-half-old doe. No matter how you do that, you're going to have variations in that meat. So if you get summer sausage from that young doe, it will be different a little bit. You might not be able to tell it, but you might be able to tell it than that old buck. So um, batch processing just simply creates a, 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 a more consistent product. So you won't have that big change from, and that's how we can we can replicate it time and time again. Also, the we, we it's 100-pound batches typically is what we make. So you know that big batch um we're able to weigh out all our seasonings very precisely all every ingredient that goes into it is is extremely precise and um and it makes a very very consistent product so if you bring a deer in the first of the season your hot dogs are going to be the same as whether you brought it the later season you know it's just um and there again you know i get it it's a it's a um you know it's it's can be a sore subject for some people, but um, but y'all's inspection process, inspecting each individual there is is top notch. Where you don't absolutely don't have any chance of anything bad getting in or anything. Like that. Exactly. Get <laughs> get right up on it. And you're tall, so I uh, talk right over the top of the mic. Here so, comes Conrad. No, right right over the top, of there right there. there. Yep, yep. right there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, an important distinction to make here, I think, uh, everything we're talking about here is sausages seasoned products hamburger right. any type of steak um uh, out of your loins hindquarters anything like that will be your own meat so stanley was talking about you know a doe versus old buck you can't you know there is a distinct difference there a uh, young yearling is going going to have a really tender set of uh, uh back straps old buck might be a little bit different so that is always your own meat uh, mixed products in terms of uh seasoned products sausages is where the uh, batch stuff comes in there yeah that's exactly right i appreciate that connor yeah yeah that's a good point because the old buck if the the, the steaks are going to be tougher and than a, than a tender dough well and this is something that i've, I've always found interesting is because uh, again not having a, a ton of experience with other processors the ones i have again were not very good experiences with other processors i've used in the past and that's why for like for like six or seven years i processed my own deer and there was one time when I attempted to make summer sausages at Andrew's mom's house, oh. stepdad's house. It, it was a cluster. Yeah. It was it was it about was a, set the smoker on fire. About, almost <laughs> set the house on fire. Uh, smoke. Yeah, it was gnarly. Product turned out pretty good, but I was like, dude, this is this is wild. Just like how intense it was. To be honest, mm-hmm. we're staying up up to like two a.m. making you know uh, smoke 
uh, summer Man, sausage. we just put like normal cheese in it from the grocery store. Oh, we didn't know. Oh, and, like, cheese. and then we smoked it and we're like, where'd all the cheese Dude, go? And it was like melting. That's what was catching on fire because it was like yeah. melting to the bottom of the smoke and the smoker had like the hot coal. Dude, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Just one other quick point on the batch products. Okay, so. Uh, a little could, closer, Connor. Okay, yep. so we could say, okay, you bring your your deer in, uh, you're getting summer sausage, you're getting 10 pounds of summer sausage, make your own deer, da, 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 you know, your own summer sausage like that. We could do that. It would be difficult for us in good conscience still to say that that's your own deer, okay? So the way the machines work, you push out meat. Um, sure, we might have your own 10 pounds of summer sausage that could, gets pushed out, but the reality of the matter is probably about half of those 10 pounds is not your meat. It is someone else. The only way to get it 100% your own product is to, after every single deer, you break down the machine completely, you wash it completely, and then you run that deer through. If you do that, you'll have about five pounds lost in the machines. And, uh, you know, the reality of it's it's impossible to break down a machine after every deer. So in good conscience, even if that was an option that we would offer, you know, it's still technically not all your meat on that. Yeah, and it's yeah. also, it's one of those things when we're talking about like the overall, uh, like end product is like the, the quality control going into it and the consistency. Because again, um, you know, if somebody wanted to bring and have, you know, four or five deer turned into summer sausages, they could do, you know, a whole batch because they'd have enough meat potentially to do that. Um, but when you're talking about like the consistency of product, um, the, the batch, the, the, the batch done product is something that's interesting. Cause again, no matter when you get it, at what point of the season, it's going to be the same flavor mm -hmm. profile, texture, everything else. Cause again, we're talking about this for specifically with these different sausages and stuff like that, like these, uh, more like more seasoned products. Um, so, I mean, also, you know, one question or some of a statement that probably, you know, people would make. Um, is well, like you know, I don't want my meat in there with somebody, you know, drug theirs through the dirt or you know, it's covered in hair or left out, you know, whatever. I mean, what kind of goes into like the selection process per se of like looking for like batch product? Um, and you know, what is some of those factors that would be like, you know, they're not this this deer would be, uh, I guess, condemned based mm -hmm. off certain characteristics of, of the deer. Could y'all talk a little bit about that and what that would consist of? So the biggest thing is probably um, gut matter. You know, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, listen, you, you gut shoot deer. It happens. I get that. But um, cut that gut out before you stick it in the cooler and, and mix it with the rest of your meat. Like cut that, that gut matter out. That's very, very important. And so um, a lot of times what that, what, what that gut matter does is it, it, it gets bacteria in the rest of the meat which will make it spoil and, and, and smell funky and stuff like that. So, um, you know, there again, does it smell bad? Well, a lot of times it does. So we'll condemn that. Just, just kick it out. We, we won't even touch it. Um, <clears throat> another thing we do is with the 24 uh, hour cooler, um, we do have a strict policy that if you, um, if you, if you don't gut your deer, like if you put an ungutted deer in the 24-hour cooler, we won't do it. Um, we're, we're just, you know, you can either come get it or we'll dispose of it. But, uh, you know, in each each one of our team, we, we take great pride and, and, and time to train them in what good meat looks like, what it feels like, what it smells like. 
and um, you know just really watch out for that really gut matter and hair and um, you know whatever else people might throw in there well I guess like the I mean gut matter is of course there's really nothing you can do about uh, hair specifically and maybe even like some dirt depending on like whether it was just like got a little bit on it when they were bringing the deer out or what a lot of it probably can be trimmed out right like where you just take off you know quarter inch or something about half inch and then you know you got fresh good meat that uh you know is good to go uh per se than just you know the whole thing's just covered in nasty you know hair just leaves or whatever it's kind of like a uh a, a bank you know a teller at a bank they deal with a lot of money so you know obviously the bulk of the money is is real money but every now and then they'll come across a counterfeit bill so it automatically that they, they see something's off and and then they observe further what's going on here and the guys in in there cutting the meat deboning the deer making the sausages they see so much deer meat uh what quality deer meat is supposed to look like and when something comes through where it smells a little funny it, it looks a little funny it's just an immediate red flag and there's multiple times where they'll come speak to myself or my father who is uh in there managing as well the day-to-day operations and they'll say hey come look at this see what you think and we'll go do a quality check and and make a decision so but we always like if we think it's bad, we won't risk it. We won't make a sausage out of it. Absolutely, um, Andrew. Did you have any question on that? Um, look, let me ask you this. This is kind of one of my final questions for both of you guys. Actually, I want to ask Perry this too. What is your personal favorite product that y'all make wild game wise? And I say, Titus, you'll go first. So, man, my personal favorite, and it's been this way for like 20 years, has been the Salisbury Steak. I absolutely love that product. It's so versatile. You can grill it. You can fry it. Uh, you could probably put it in chili. It'd probably be good. But my favorite way of eating it is you fry it, and then you make some brown gravy and uh, make you some mashed potatoes. And, man, just absolutely incredible. Yeah, love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite salad Kathy will take it like even make meat. She'll take enough up make a meatloaf out of it because it's a real unique meatloaf. Then she'll do the meatballs out of it and stuff like that. It's one of my favorites too. So that's, you know, like I say, you've been making that forever. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's amazing. Love that stuff. Perry, get asked, what's your favorite? Uh, that's a bunch of them. The boudin, the Salisbury, uh, that new that habanero uh, mango habanero I tried that a, a couple months ago and that's pretty neat. It's, it's got a lot of fire to it, but it's got enough sweet where it don't where it don't hit you that hard. But there's a bunch of them. We 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 get a variety of it every year, so we love all of it. So it's you know we like more or specific ones better than others, but it's all great. So it, you can the breakfast sauce is another good one. Them little bitty breakfast sauces, mini links things, mm-hmm. them's real good too. So little smokies, really? yeah. Well, little smokies is something different, ain't it? Yeah, Little Smokies is something different. Yeah. Those are like, uh, you could make pig in the blankets with those Little right. Smokies. But, yeah, you can take yeah. them things, throw them in a crock pot like with some jelly and something in there and steam them things off chain too. But that, the breakfast sauce is real good. The the bacon burger, I really like it too. And so but that's a variety of things. Y'all got so many different varieties of stuff y'all make now. It's, it's incredible. And y'all coming up with something pretty pretty new. You know, what, every year, every other year, y'all, y'all doing something different. So, But it's all amazing. So, Stanley, what about you? I gotta say the Salisbury too. Like if I, it, you know, if if I got somebody coming over to my house, I'm probably pulling a pack of Salisbury out. It's so versatile, 
you can uh, you can make a hamburger out of it. You can, uh, like Titus said, fry it, put some brown gravy on it, serve it over mashed taters, and it's just amazing. Um, another thing, another thing that's really good, and a lot of people don't really do this, I don't think, is the meatloaf. Like if you take our meatloaf and take it out of the pan, just pop it out of the pan, and you take it and slice it about an inch thick, and then fry that thing. You can bread it. It's really good too. Breaded, fry it. Both sides sort of like a um, Salisbury steak. Amazing. Very, very good. Man, it, I got about it, five it's, of it's them jokers in the freezer right now. I'm gonna try that. It is so good. <laughs> if you if you can if you can manage to get the outside sort of crispy, that's where you really want it. Um, <laughs> and they're cured ham. That cured ham. Y'all tried that? Oh, that? the the deli ham. Oh yeah. No, the the cured, the whole cured ham, it, it it's almost like old school with the old old salted red ham like you can buy in a store. It's almost exactly the same as a as a hog ham. It's crazy how good it is. They cure the whole ham, so y'all still yeah. do that, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, do. Jacob, awesome. I never told you about that. No, <laughs> you hold it out on me, Tom. What are you doing, man? Like we've had so many people get mad at some of her family reunions, Cassie's family reunions, because they won't they won't touch deer for nothing. She carried the whole ham over there, and it looks like a store bought ham. They'll eat the fire out of them. They find out they're so dang mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. So. But, yeah. Awesome. Is, Perfect. Well, uh, yeah, again, uh, well, I was going to say, Titus or uh, Stanley, y'all have anything else here? Or well, any other questions? One of our other products we just launched that we really like. We like making it. It's uh, it's very convenient for, for people to pop it in the oven. That That's the meatballs. Those are the new product for this year. So they're pre-smoked little meatballs put in a sauce in a pan. All you do is put it in the oven, bake it, serve it with some veggies, and there's your supper for, for that day. So, yeah, yeah, get everything you need there. And then also, uh, I'll say just one of mine real quick and then get Andrew's. And then we'll uh, we got a couple other guys we got to get on the podcast here real quick is, uh, dude, that deer bologna. Listen, I'm not like a, a big well, bologna kind of guy. Both, both them bolognas, the, the ring bologna, the little tube bologna. Oh, no, no. I'm talking the sandwich the bologna. The sandwich dude, bologna is that, real good too. But the both hal- of them. The jalapeno so- one. Oh. Unbelievable. Fry it up or just do it a sandwich. It's it's unbelievable. So that's one of those things. We, t- we took that to a couple different hunting trips this year, making sandwiches while we're in the field and stuff. And it's like, dude, it's like, it feels like the quality and everything feels like you're getting it from the store. It's only you'd be like, again, you you think you'd be getting from like, you know, whatever, you know, brand from the store. Uh, but you're like, dude, this is deer meat. And it's like, this is delicious. And I'm like, I'm one of those guys like, you know, I like cold cut sandwiches and it's freaking awesome. So yeah, that, it, and also it, the it deli. Puts, it puts them boar's head brands to shame, like stuff like that. So, cause we got, we got, you got sandwich baloney and the ring baloney and it's, you know, that she'll take that ring baloney and like fry it up and chop it up and put it in omelets and stuff like that. It's, it's, oh, it's something just real unique man. and good. So yeah. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, uh, Andrew, got a couple more guys we got to hop the, on here? The Salisbury steak. I like the Salisbury steak. It's like I want to say it, but everyone else said it, so I'm not going to say it. Um, those, uh, what is it, jalapeno and cheese smoked links? Oh, no, the bell pepper, onion, bell and pepper onion and cheese smoked links. I could eat my body weight. That's another those. good one. Dude, yes. I thaw out a pack. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be at the house. I'll be working, and Tiffany won't be there, and I'll thaw out a pack for dinner, and they don't, like none of them make it to dinner. And I'm just like, what are we going to do for dinner tonight, babe? I've already <laughs> eaten five of them juggers. So, and then, anyway. <laughs> the, an, the, andouille, the andouille sausage is another good one. So, mm. so. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome, man. Yeah, it's one of those things like you don't appreciate good processing and these specialty sausages and stuff until you've experienced it. Because, again, it's one of those things like growing up, that was never a thing. Like we'd get some like 
you'd, you'd get like some summer sausage from a processor or maybe some jerky and jerky had liquid smoke in it and like was dried to the point that like I mean, there's bootleg that has more, you know, moisture to it than, you know, some of the jerky. Some people like that. It's not my style. Uh, oh, actually, that'd probably be my favorite. Sweet honey jerky. Undefeated. Oh, yeah. I don't care who it is, what it is. Undefeated. Tree Best stand snack. It's a good oh, All those snack good sticks with cheese, too, now. That's something else I forgot about. Dang. <laughs> we sit here for 45 minutes. <laughs> We're going to talk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. talk about the whole menu. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. But uh, appreciate y'all joining us, uh, both Stanley and Titus. Appreciate y'all again helping host this event and really doing a lot of this. I mean, freaking cooked food for everybody, provided food, drinks yeah, for everybody, man. the tent, whole setup here, dude. It's Can't been thank awesome. y'all enough. Yeah. It's been yeah. awesome. If y'all come by Weavers, you got to try that. If your mama's around, get them cinnamon rolls. I'm just I'm just waiting to end this podcast. I'm going to eat that whole thing. You watch me. I could eat the whole thing. Seriously. How, how good is it? Oh, it's good. That's the best cinnamon roll I've ever had. <laughs> or mm. It's like got that. It's got like a almost like a caramel taste to it. I don't know, dude. They're yeah. Stanley's. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. Awesome. Butter, cinnamon, just <laughs> hey, no. all, all right. the goodness. Conrad, where are you going, them? <laughs> He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You live here. You you leave them back out here. You're going to fix them anytime. <laughs> Oh, yeah, y'all get you some of that, man. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.